since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. As we continue through our Colossians series. We've been going through the book of Colossians for a few weeks now. We've got a couple more uh, coming up. Paul tells the early church what they should look like. People are watching. People are looking to you as, as, a chur- as the church, as the people representing Jesus. Um, he tells them what they should look like, how to get that way, and why it matters. There's, there's a lot here. It looks like it's just a couple lists. Like There's a list of some bad things and a list of some good things. But this is a list of what Christians should look like and what they shouldn't look like. Now, I know you might be thinking, wait a second, that's, last week we were, we were told that, you know, you don't have to look a certain way. And that's true in the non-essentials. Uh, last week, Tad uh, shared about the non-essentials, how we don't have to, um, you know, all look the exact same in personality and different kinds of, um, you know, beliefs and politics and all that stuff. But we all do want to look like Jesus, And so Paul tells them what to get rid of and and what to add. Verses 1 through 4, what I just read is the why and the how. The rest of the scripture, uh, the next, uh, through verse 17, um, it's the what. What are we supposed to do? Uh, So we're going to spend most of our time on the what, and then we're going to come back to these four verses at the end and kind of go full circle here. And and so he says, verses 5 and 6, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And so he uses the term here, put to death. Now, that's a pretty strong phrase, right? I mean, that is is ending it 100% right now, put to death. He, in a minute, I haven't read these yet, but he uses the words, uh, the terms rid yourselves, and then he says, and do not. Do not do these things over and over again. But then he takes a turn. He says to, you know, to put to, te- put to death and rid yourselves of these things. And he says, and put on. And that's going to be what we're going to get to in a little bit. But it's like, it's like if someone were to fall into a frozen lake, fall through the ice. What's the first thing you're supposed to do? Anybody? Huh? You can't answer. You, are, you got it wrong for service. You have to tell, can someone, what are you supposed to do? There's no answers. I'm, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> Hold your breath. I like that. <laughs> someone said, um, first service, someone said to take your cold clothes off, the frozen clothes, right? But you have to get out first. When you're still in the frozen lake, don't take your clothes off yet. Get out of the water first. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but then, then once you get onto shore, what's the first thing you're supposed to do? take off the frozen clothes, the frigid clothes. If you don't, if you try to uh, put a blanket or other clothes over it and try to wrap up in it, those clothes are so cold they're going to keep you in a a hypothermic state and it's going to kill you. Um, So we have to take off before we put on. That's what Paul's saying here. He he goes through these lists and I'm going to explain them and and we're going to go into some uh, detail on these lists, but he says you have to take these things off first before you even before you try to put on these things, uh, or or it will still kill you. He says, verse six, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now this is it says is coming. It's present tense. We know there will be a judgment at some point. 
um, that we'll all have to face judgment, and hopefully at that point we're covered by Jesus' blood. That when God looks at us, He doesn't see our sins, He sees Jesus' righteousness, and because of His willingness to die for me, if we trust Him as our Savior, well then we'll be saved. But he, He's talking about something else. He, he says that it's coming, um, meaning it's, it's on us now. There's a couple other scriptures that I want to, um, that, that helps us to see that clearly. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. So the wrath is already on us because of our sin, and there's consequences right now. Romans 2.5, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, basically because you haven't taken off these old clothes, these frozen clothes that are killing you and hurting the people around you, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. We will be judged, but until then, we also will feel the consequences of sin right now. Not only us, but the people around us, the people that we love and we care for. If we're going to keep living this way, they're going to be hurt. The people that we say, I love you, but I'm not, I'm not really willing to give up my sin for you. I love you, but I'm going to put myself first. I'm not going to say it. I, you know, a lot of people say, I put my spouse first. I put my kids first. My kids are first no matter what. Yet I'm going to keep making decisions that, people are, or that my kids are going to be hurt from. Well, do you love them or not? We talk about love, grace, forgiveness. Definitely have to do that today. We have to do that every time we, we gather. But when we sin it's terrible. It's damaging. Um, and he says, put to death or take off. That same urgency, when you get out of that pond or that frozen lake, and, and you can, you can, you're freezing, right? You're not going to be like, well, I'll take this ice-cold shirt off eventually and put that blanket on. I'll get to it, and I need to check the score, and I need to, I need to check my Instagram feed. And No, you're going to do it right now, right? That's what he says. That's our urgency for our sin. We've got to get out of it right now. See, when we choose for these things mentioned to die, that's when we start to live. But if we choose to let these things live in us, then what we're saying is we're, we're, okay, with, we're, we're okay with death. We're okay with emptiness. We're okay with broken relationships. We're, we're okay with, with, uh, with hurt. And, and uh, just it's a different way. And so what do you, what you personally, because I have, I have things too, what's the thing that you need to put to death before it ruins another relationship, or before it, it, it slowly makes you to not even be who you were. It, it's like, um, I don't know, does anybody, did anybody ever like watching like ho- horror movies around Halloween? There's, there's those movies, uh, you know, where, where there's always, almost always a, someone going around killing people. Um, I remember growing up, I shouldn't have watched these movies, but like uh, Friday the 13th, and um, I don't know, I, uh, wait, that's, uh, yeah, Jason, and and, and Michael, um, Michael Myers, Halloween, I couldn't think of what it was called, uh, and, and Freddy, you know, there's all those movies, and, and, uh, and in every movie like that, there's someone that's going around and killing everyone, right, and so if you are uh, uh, the prey, he's, he's coming after you, he's coming after you and your family and everyone you love, and then all of a sudden you have to become the predator and you have to kill him. You have to put to death this, this person before he kills you and ruins, you know, kills everyone that you love. Sin's kind of like that. If you don't put to death this very strong word, not just get rid of it or shake it or work through it. No, he said, get, get rid of it right now. Put, it, put to death the sin. And when you do that, you'll be saving a lot, a lot of hardship. But it's not easy. I, I know this. 
I'm going to give some examples in a little bit. Sometimes sin just feels small. It doesn't really hurt that much. No, it's a trap. If, if you keep staying with it, if you let it stay around, it will kill you. It will continue to get worse and worse until you become an empty shell of a person. You've probably seen that uh, when someone is completely overtaken by sin. Maybe someone who uh, is an alcoholic and, and they end up on the streets and, or uh, someone addicted to drugs and, and you don't even know the person anymore because they've gone down this path so much. Uh, and, and it's overtaken them. When we say, no, I wouldn't let it get that far. I have, I have enough self-control. I wouldn't let it do that to me. Well, how much self-control have you had with your sin in the past? I mean, if it's even around a little, then how much self-control have you really had? I've, I've been able to control it. I've been able to keep it in place. Really? Ask the people around you. I doubt it. But we cling to our sins really tightly. I, I don't think the problem is information. I think we, we don't lack information. Sometimes we would just rather die than change. We don't say it like that, but we'd rather keep getting that rush or keep getting that pleasure or keep the control. And as long as I live this way, then I still get those things, so I'll just worry about the other stuff later. He, he names a couple. I'm, I know I'm speaking real general right now, and I'm, I wanted to do that because I'm going to guess that the sin that, that you have is not the same as the one you have and not the same as the one you have and not the same as the one that I have. We all have something or maybe some things that really, it's really destroying us and the people around us, but might not impact someone else so much. So he names some. Um, he, first, he mentioned sexual immorality, a lust, however you want to say it. Greed is another. And then he goes into more, more of them here. Verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Another list here. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And so there's a couple. That first list was mostly lust. This one's mostly anger. Um, I, I think these are big, um, and some people probably are, you know, like, I can't believe someone would struggle with lust or sexual immorality. I, I would never do that. Well, you're probably the person that has the anger issue, right? Or, or someone else um, might say, I would never yell at my wife like that or yell at my kids or treat people that way. I, don't, I can't believe someone could be so angry. Maybe your issue is lust. There's others. It may not be either of those. But he, he goes on, he uses the different words for the same thing. And I thought, why is he, just, is he just repeating it? You know, just say anger. But he says anger, well, that word is a chronic attitude of smoldering hatred. It's, it's your attitude. It's with you all the time. Then he says rage. That's an acute outburst where you just, I'm good, I'm good. And then I just lose it, right? You're, everything's fine. You're, Whoa, where did that come from? You went from here to here in, in, in no time. That's rage. Malice is when it's down in you. It's just, it's just there, it's stored up, and you know at one point probably that burst of rage is going to happen. He even uses slander. That's a railing or evil speaking. See, there's ways to disguise anger and still expressing it. Filthy language, shameful or abrasive speech. I think when I read these, how, how can we be angry but someone might look at you and say, oh, he would never hurt a fly, but we're still living this way? Um, gossip. I think gossip's a big one. You know, telling other people uh, certain things about someone else, not to make them look bad because you don't want, you care for them, and that's the only reason you say, I'm just telling you because I care about them. Or we're making them look bad, which makes you look good. And I mean, what's the intention? What's the root of this? 
one of the biggest of these, he, he goes on, he says, do not lie to each other. This, I think, is one of the hardest ones on the church or on any community, on a family. If we can't trust each other, we can't, we can't really operate. See, truth is, isn't always convenient. Sometimes I want to tell a story and I want to tell some of the truth, but I don't, I don't want to tell all of it. You know, I want to leave out a little detail because that one little detail kind of makes me look bad. Or I like the way the story goes if I would just change this one detail a little bit, right? Like just, just telling mostly the truth. Just this last week, I, I caught two people in lies. Uh, one, one person approached me about a situation and was kind of mad at me and said, hey, I can't believe that you didn't do this. And, uh, and I just listened for a second and listened to what I was accused of. And then I pulled my phone out, which I don't have on me. It's down there. And I went, through a, uh, went to a text, a conversation. I opened it up. I scrolled. I said, here, read this. And he read it. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Like, I just had to show that it was a lie. Another person told me this week that they needed help. And, and I the person's not here, so whatever. Um, but the person said, hey, I gave, I, I need money. I gave $50 to a GoFundMe. And if, um, and if I had known that I had this need, then I wouldn't have given $50 to it, but I did. So I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, we can, we can talk to you about how we can help you. And, uh, and, and I thought, well, this GoFundMe, I mean, this is a big deal. So I went to the GoFundMe page and I read the need. Well, there's a list of all the people who gave. And I saw in the list, the person that told me they gave $50 gave $20 okay, I don't care if they gave no dollar, you know, no money. What I'm saying is now I don't trust the person. And now this person needs help and it's really hard to help someone if you can't trust them. I mean, this isn't just me. I'm sure this happens all the time. Little things, things that we just change a little detail and then you find out and you're like, nope, I, 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 can't, I can't trust them. So now I have to do three times the amount of work just to help the person when if they would have told me the truth, I wouldn't have had any doubts and we would have moved forward. And Paul is very, he's clear on this. He says, don't do it. Don't lie to each other. This is why. Because we can't, we can't fulfill a mission. We can't be on the, same, on the same page. We can't fulfill the mission of Jesus to love others if we're just concerned all the time about people acting out sexual desires, unleashing anger, and lying to each other. It just doesn't work. It, it's a lot harder. And the church is hurt because believers are continuing to live in those clothes that are frozen, and it's killing us. He goes on. This is one of those verses. Sometimes you read in the Bible, you read through a few verses, and, and then you come to one that's like, why, did, why is that even in there? I could have just stopped at that verse before, and then I could have went to the next verse after. I'm not really sure. He says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. What he's saying is this is for everyone. This isn't just for the people who look like you, kind of a follow-up from last week a little bit. This is for everyone. We tend to look at some people, and I think we judge them more harshly, or some people we judge less harshly because of their circumstances or their family, or, you know, he, he, he grew up with a good family, so I'm going to trust him on this one, but that person, you know where they came from. I'm not going to trust them. Right? Sometimes we, we just do that in our minds. And, and he, he named some people that they had to deal with. Barbarian, that was anyone who didn't speak Greek, so they thought they were not civilized. Uh, Scythian, that was someone from Asia. They were perceived as a savage, ruthless. Now, these aren't our people, but you probably have someone. We have those different terms now of people that we, um, that we trust and, and, or maybe that we're okay to be angry with, or I can lie to this person because, you know, I mean, 
it's not really going to impact anything. It was harmless. He says, no, if you're lying to anyone, you're lying to Jesus. If you're ignoring someone, maybe you ignore the elderly person, you're ignoring Jesus. If you uh, treat a, a kid or a teenager, you look down on them, you're looking down on, on Jesus. Pick someone who you personally find hard to love or to, to live this way, you know, towards. Someone that you, um, who, are you, who are you angry with and you show it. Who do you lie to? Who do you, who do you lust over? Pick, pick these groups. This is what you're doing to Jesus. You're hurting him in all these same ways. Maybe, uh, maybe we look down on people because a sin is overtaking them. But look at them as if they were Jesus. Don't give up on them. I mean, it's hard to. Sometimes I get it. I, I'm sharing with you some of the things I, I've dealt with, and sometimes I feel like, well, I'm not really living, living the Christian life very well because I'm kind of judging them or I'm assuming the worst now. This is why we have to be honest with each other so that we don't assume the worst. But instead, we live this way. He says, verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and, and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I don't need to go into great detail on this list. He's saying to choose compassion in your relationships with people, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. But these things take practice. From, from experience, I know it's really hard. If you're going to react one way over and over again, maybe you act, react in anger, and then all of a sudden you're just like, I'm supposed to not do this anymore, I'm going to stop. It's hard just to stop. right? We, we can't just say we're going to do it, we actually have to do it. But we keep these clothes on, and then we try to put on the other clothes over it. I'm, I'm not going to get rid of this, this sin. I'm not going to fight it or, or try to train against it. I'm just going to try to cover it. Well, then people call us hypocrites and call us fake because we're living one way at some times, and then, you know, other times we're not. And I know we're going to mess up. It's not that we're going to be perfect, but we have to train. We can't just try. You know, sometimes I get angry at home, uh, like I'll tell the kids to clean the room and, or to clean the playroom, and they don't do it. And, and so after, like, the seventh time, then I, then I get angry. I'm like, no, now you, now you can't do this, and you can't do this. And I start saying things, and I'm like, well, that didn't even make sense what I was saying, you know. But, but I've had to learn, like, to train myself, you know, instead of overreacting quickly, walk away. Does this really matter? Now it does matter, okay, so how am I going to do this in a better way, right? And then go and talk to them in a, in a, in a better way. I think most of the time we can train ourselves in, uh, in, in fighting this, just by taking a, taking a pause and step back, whether it's lust or anger or greed, if we really would just step away from a situation that's causing us to react this way, uh, we'd, we'd probably be in a lot better shape. He goes on, this is, really, this is really helpful, verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I love that he adds this. He says, be patient and forgive each other. This is, this is helpful. If, if my wife left me the first time that I was sarcastic or angry with her, we would have been married for about two weeks, two minutes, I don't know. Uh, not very long, right? But I've had to continue to train myself over and over to try to do better in, in areas. And she has had to continue for the last 15 years to train herself to bear with me and to keep forgiving me. That's... That's just the way it is, right? We've all been forgiven, though. If, if you place your faith in Jesus, you've been forgiven. And that is a good feeling, and we get to share that with other people. It, it, in a sense, if we would all do this, we would create a feeling of, of heaven on earth. I mean, people could live in, in a more homo- harmonious way. 
Paul says something like that, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. These, these words here he's saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Um, you were one body. You were called to peace. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Over and over he's saying, there's something, if you would look to Jesus, it, it would work. It really would. And, and I wonder sometimes why our church is shrinking and dying. Well, maybe we're still living with all the old clothes and not, not the new ones, and people are looking at us and they're not seeing Jesus. They're not seeing any, any life change. They're not seeing di- a difference uh, being made in our lives. Well, that's, that's tough. I mean, if I looked at a group and I said, I want to be a part of this, and then they say that it's going to change my life and it doesn't, well, then I don't know if I want to be a part of it anymore. It's on us. And so, how do we get there? I told you I'd come back to this, verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he says, set your minds on things above. It doesn't mean we're walking around looking up all the time. People will think we're weird. We're looking to Jesus. That's what he's trying to say. Now, what does that do? Does that make me a better person? Does that, is that going to fix everything? Try it. Try it. Look to Jesus in different areas. When we consider death, look to Jesus. The first thing you're going to think of, I deserve death. He died for me. Okay, now I'm going to start living with forgiveness or um, appreciate with, with thankfulness. When considering heaven, eternity, we're going to, we're going to be uh, there a long time, a lot longer than we are here. We look to Jesus. We don't deserve heaven, but he's given us a gift. That starts to change things a little bit. And we look to Jesus for that moment in time when you will be made perfect. We struggle with those wet clothes. All of us do. We like to put them on. I don't know why they're not comfortable. Uh, we just do for a little bit, but it won't always be that way. See, when we look to Jesus, we, we start to live in thankfulness because we're forgiven. We start to love others because we feel loved. It is really hard to love someone when you feel like no one loves you. Well, you might not get that anywhere else, but you definitely get it from Jesus, the one who, who died for you because of his love for you. And so we grow in Christ. We look more like him the same way that we were saved, by looking to him in faith. We don't just look, though. We trust him. We obey him. Um, we enjoy him and what he offers. There's a lot of things that the world offers that I might find a little bit of enjoyment for a little bit in. What about what he offers? Because that's going to offer a lot more joy for a lot longer. And it's going to be that joy that doesn't just you know, last for a little bit and then also brings guilt and disappointment and brokenness and emptiness and all the stuff that we don't want. This is the real stuff. But we have to trust him. We have to keep looking to him. Look to the gospel. Look to his words. Look to the way that he loved others and treated people and lived. Try to follow that. This is how we take off those frigid clothes. And we live in clothing that brings joy-filled, meaningful life. Let's pray. Father, um, we, we fall short.